Welcome back to How Do We Get Here, Mr. Conroe, a podcast um, all about science and technology, current event issues. Uh, today's episode is all about why it's a good move to get a COVID vaccine. My name is Paul Conroe. I'm a science teacher from Rochester, New York. Along with me today is Paul Eckert. Uh, yes, and I am here to play the role of common uh, individual. So I, a little bit about me. I uh, also teach in the optics program at East High School in Rochester, New York. But I have degrees in physical education and health education. And so I am very much a middle-of-the-road individual I'd consider myself. Politically, I can call out the Democrats when they're full of it, and I can call out the Republicans when they're full of it, and I don't sit one way or another. Or at least I'd like to tell myself that. (laughs) So, like, for me today, why I'm here, Mr. Conroe, and why I want to be educated is because, especially recently, and I have friends on both sides of the aisle, if you will, the anti-vaxxers. Some anti-vaxxers and some individuals that are vaxxers, but then are, are very mad at the anti-vaxxers. Hmm. But I think a lot of times, and what I like uh, what Mr. Conroe does when he talks about things, which is why I'm here today, is because he gives me facts. He gives me knowledge. I need Mr. Conroe to drop me some knowledge because I was in a discussion with someone, and they talked about the political side of vaccines. So, Mr. Conroe, why th- this vaccine is such a political issue today? Right. And, uh, you know, that it, it, it irritates me a little bit. Uh, so, before we jump into the story of how we got here, I just want to make this point vaccines are as political as gravity. <laughs> if you go up on an airplane and you do a skydiving lesson or whatever, you do the experience, you're, you're going to have the parachute doesn't matter what your affiliation is on any point of view. You know you get up in an airplane and you jump out of it. You want the parachute. You better have the parachute. You better have the parachute. You better have the parachute. And the parachute's going to work 99.9% of the time. Because That's... gravity is going to impact. It's going to work 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Now, the, <laughs> the science behind vaccines is as settled as gravity. But I think a lot of times we just stop there. And that's the end of the podcast. But we don't explain why the vaccine science is settled. Right. And that's kind of what I want to get into today. So I'm going to start with kind of a, a, a weird uh, kind of a diversion. But let's just start with your sense of smell. You walk into a house and you smell this awesome aroma. And you're like, oh, somebody's cooking my favorite meal. Or, or maybe you step outside and it's garbage day and you're like, oh, the garbage truck just went down my street. And your nose tells you that. Well, what happens is molecules have to get inside your nose, either that tasty aroma or that like putrid garbage actually wafts in the droplets in the air. They go into your nose and those molecules actually like they have a shape, they have a size and you have receptor molecules in your nose that have a matching shape or size. And I'm going to link it to vaccines and viruses. But I just want you to get this idea that molecules fit in certain spots. So one good aroma, it, it fits into your receptor cells in your nose in one way, and bad aromas connect in in other ways. And it's temporary in the case of your sense of smell. The particles connect, 
and then they, they linger for a little bit, just like the smell does, and then they go away. Um, so uh, I'll just preface it by saying I've got degrees in chemistry, bachelor's and master's degree, and I, th I think it's important, this whole getting to the science of, of vaccines and viruses, molecules do things. Like, they don't have brains, but it's like they do things that make it as though they have brains. Do they choose to do things? Do they make decisions? Well, and that's, it's, it kind of seems like it, but there's basically two fundamental rules. There's the rules of thermodynamics, which I won't get into, mm -hmm. and the rules of bonding, which as much as I'd love to, I also won't get into. But there's these two basic driving forces of science that, that govern this. And let me give you one more quick example. Soap. If you can create something called an emulsion. If you take water and oil by themselves, the oil sits mix. on top of the water. Yeah. They don't mix. Yeah. Yeah. But if you throw some soap into water, the soap molecules organize into these things called micelles. They're like these molecular cages. They're thermodynamically driven to form these little, uh, almost like, well, I think cages is a good word. And then if you drop bits of oil into the water, the, the oil will actually penetrate and get trapped inside these cages. So that's a way to kind of like cheat and get oil to mix in with water. That's what we call an emulsion. Is that how they would clean up like an oil spill? Uh, well, it's partly why soapy water helps clean your hands when you get oil yeah, on yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, these, these micelles kind of trap the oil and help extract it from your skin. Shut it. Um, in the case of oil spills, it is just easier to take the layer off the top. So basically what you're saying is, and, and what that analogy is driving towards, is that what's going on inside of us with a virus or even with a vaccine like this is on a molecular level and it's very, yes it's very molecular level. It, it's, molecular level it's studied it's known we know what's going to happen tons of research because all the research that has been done i've literally made solutions of my cells and i've added little bits of oil to it and mm. made what's called latexes which are polymers made in this okay this way so in my master's research at rit i've had minimal but some experience doing this kind of research in a, in a, in a actual chemistry lab. All right, now let's talk, about, let's talk about the meat and potatoes now. What's, let's what's, jump into it. Let's just do it. All right. So viruses, they are arrangements of molecules that can be basically boiled down to two parts. And they're tiny particles relative to like a human cell. But the two parts of a virus particle are what I call the protein coat or shell, and it's just, it's a shell, so like a three-dimensional cage, and then inside of it swimming around is a strand of DNA that is specific to that virus. One little side note, the HIV AIDS virus is particularly unusual. It has the same kind of typical protein coat of all viruses, but the little thing swimming inside of it is RNA, Again, I'm not going to bore you with the difference between DNA and RNA, but because HIV is, is, is its there own. Like a, is there like a quick analogy you could give me to, to, to break that down for the common person? For the Mr. common Eckert, person. To understand that? So, uh, all cells take instructions from DNA to determine what that cell is going to, what its structure and function is. Mm -hmm. You can... Uh, 
the first step in DNA, executing those instructions, is to make RNA. So it's like uh, the AIDS virus took one step out of the equation. Instead of inserting DNA, it takes the next step in this, w determining what a cell structure and function is, and it just kind of fast-forwarded and leapfrogged and just put in the RNA. Like a recipe, if you will. It's, and it's like, right, it's almost like the... Instructions. And, and you're, you're taking a couple steps early. Gotcha. Gotcha. Extra. Okay. Okay. All right. So I just want to underscore the protein coat, the shell of the virus particle, is not that dangerous. The insidious, the dangerous part is the DNA inside, and we'll understand that in a couple minutes, why that's so dangerous. But I want to give a, a, a little... Little word on size and scale here, and um, I want to really underscore the difference in size between a virus particle and like a lung cell. Viruses are tiny. Like I was discussing with my colleagues here uh, at school, what's a good analogy? And the best we can come up with is think about a virus like a mosquito and a lung cell like you. Much, you know, very vastly different sense of size and scale, but the mosquito interacts with you, no problem. It In fact, me. it annoys you. So. Yes. <laughs> a mosquito flies around you, and wherever it chooses to land, it sticks its proboscis, or it's like, <laughs> it's got something that comes out of its face and like sticks you, and it extracts your blood, and while it extracts your blood, there's fluid from it that goes into your body, and that's what causes that like itchy feeling and that bump. Your body's immune system's like, that, that liquid from the mosquito doesn't belong here. I'm going to have an immune response. And the bug flies off with your blood. That's a fantastic analogy to what viruses, uh, how they interact with body cells. In the case of COVID, we're talking about lung cells. So let's just, we're going to presume that, imagine you're a lung cell. Healthy. Great. Everything going well. And a mosquito starts buzzing around you. Mm. A viral particle. A COVID-19 viral particle. Could be a COVID particle from a previous strain. You look at an old bottle of Lysol antibacterial spray. Mm -hmm. You'll say it protects against... You'll see at the fine print, it protects against coronaviruses. It kills them. So corona, COVID virus is not new, but this, yeah. the COVID-19 is just a bad strain. So you get this mosquito flying around. You got this viral particle swimming in your body, and then it latches on the way a mosquito latches on. It latches onto your lung cell because it fits. There's something about its protein coat fitting into your cell membrane. Does that make sense? I... Yeah, it, it makes sense. And but I want to like, what does it do to your lung cell? Yes. Like what? Like what's going on? Yeah, yeah. And this is what. And this is why. Like fundamentally, this is why I want to do this podcast for the next three minutes. It's the critical science that I want you to know is settled. When the protein coat sticks to the lung cell, like a mosquito, it latches to your skin. It's tiny compared to the actual thing, but what it does is it has this mechanism where it. It, the protein coat can't penetrate your cell membrane, but it can inject the DNA particle. So it loses its DNA particle. 
And that DNA particle is now inside of your cell. And as soon as that happens, it's, it's bad. It is really bad because viruses are things that have evolved over time and they do this really, it's like beautiful chemical wise. Somehow that DNA strand is able to take over completely the normal function of your cell. In this case of a lung cell. Yeah, so it's on a cellular level. A cellular so level. It's not going into your lung as a whole. It's going into a lung cell. A lung cell. So okay. your lungs, the alveoli, all these things, your bronchial tubes, yep, 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 yep. they're all composed of cells. This gets into the wrong type of lung cell. Mm -hmm. And then it, this one strand, a single strand of DNA from the virus, hijacks the cell's functioning. Instead of doing a, helping you breathe, it demands that your cell do one, actually two things. It demands that your cell make protein coats for the virus and copies of the DNA strand for the virus. So stop helping me breathe. Do, make more of me. Make more of me. Now when I say make more, how many do you think? I don't know. Like 10? Make, like, make 10 more of me. How about like 100,000? Because the... The human, just the, the chemistry of how cells work, mm -hmm. it's fascinating. Hmm. But because the DNA from the virus is so small relative to the size of that enormous lung cell, just like a mosquito gets inside your body, mm -hmm. um, there's room in your cell for hundreds of thousands of copies before it bursts open. So, so that virus goes into one tiny little lung cell. One lung cell. So think of it like, let, let's say there's a thousand humans, but there's one mosquito. Yes. That mosquito is going to pick one human. One human. Go into and, and get inside that. And forces that human to make 100,000 new mosquitoes. Yep. And then, so what's eventually going to happen is going to have so many of the virus copies, because we'll stop talking about mosquitoes, we'll talk about yeah. the, the virus particles. Yes. It's going to have so many of those virus particles inside of it. The cell bursts open. And the cell explodes because there's so many of them. It literally explodes. It's not like some soft, squishy event. It's mm, just, mm. it reaches capacity, cell membrane breaks open, and like then hundreds of thousands of viral particles are now in your body. And that can happen again. So if 100,000 new particles then do that same process, so many other 100,000 times 100,000, we're over a billion. Yeah. So, I mean, very quickly, within a day... Which explains the speed of how fast someone can get from being just from, like, a mild cough to, like, in ICU, right? Or... or On or, a ventilator. Or you can have COVID but no symptoms yet because you're only infecting a few cells and it takes a day or two mm -hmm. to make that... To make those three or four cells get to the point where they're going to burst. And then when they burst, you've gone from you know, almost no infection to like billions of viral particles. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, it, I mean, it really is kind of, uh, um, it's, it's fascinating, and, but deadly. I mean, there are many deadly virus, viral diseases. Consequently, you can learn about in our first podca podcast. What, what's, <laughs> what's your body trying to do when all of this is happening? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Your body does nothing. It doesn't know. It doesn't know until, until it's too late, kind of. Mm. Like, if your body doesn't I mean, recognize... the system has to play some function or role in this. But, so, what, uh, that's a great leading question. Um, 
unless your body has some sort of advanced warning mm-hmm. about the shape of the viral shell, it can do nothing. Because it's just like, yeah, there's a new particle in my body. It's food. It's I, the air we breathe, whatever. It doesn't mm-hmm. know that it's mm-hmm. a danger. It gets into that one little cell, and then it's made a billion copies. And that's when the immune system kicks in. Ah, okay. So as soon as that first cell blows open... It's react- it's then it reacts. It's, it's, it's a reactive response. Yes. Instead of a proactive response. And, that reactive, and, and it's not necessarily too late after that first cell, but it kind of is in the case of this, uh, the COVID-19 strain mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. over half a million Americans have died from it, and that's how it always starts. Mm. Uh, a small number of viral particles entering your lungs and doing that thing. Um, so are we, does that... Do, I hope you now appreciate the, the difference in the size of a viral particle versus a normal body cell and that how quickly... The virus forces one of your healthy cells to kind of go rogue and, and just do this replication thing in a very, very, you know, troubling way. So now we've got to figure out the fascinating part. How have humans come up with a defense against this viral um, invader? And what you talked about the, the first podcast, which was like somewhat blew my mind with how like vaccinations began yeah in the history of them like i had no idea like some random variolation yeah, with the like, smallpox uh, let's take and... some scab dust like this is bizarre <laughs> but like i i could see how people at their wits end with some type of really bad infection would go to those those strange depths to figure things out yeah right and and, and let's let's make a quick jump to the the cowpox so smallpox might be, I think, arguably the most deadly disease that humans have had to wrestle with in terms of total number of humans killed by it. And, and then in the 1796, Edward Jenner in England figures out that cowpox has the same like protein coat shape so that if you, in, if you inject cowpox into a human body, the human body eventually is triggered and realizes that that cowpox protein coat shape doesn't belong and it creates an immune response and you've trained your body so that when you get the real deal, your body has already synthesized or or ramped up what we're gonna call an antibody that neutralizes that dangerous viral particle before it can get inside Mm -hmm. the cell. And I like, so so I I am not complete, uh, I'm not completely ignorant to all of this i'm not the just i know some knowledge i am a health teacher and when i always explain the immune system to kids when i teach it's almost like wanted signs mm. and, and and when you get a vaccine it's like you put up a wanted poster in your yes. house and then that that person comes and you can sort of see that individual and you recognize them but because you have a you've had a picture but the, again, I want to I want to keep it more technically simple, mm-hmm. and go back to that whole like the sense of smell and a shape receptor. Mm. It's all about shapes, and, and it, it might sound I don't know if that's a simplification, but that's actually I think more accurate than this wanted poster. Okay, because your your cells like a viral particle, it's just going to do what it's going to do. 
because of the laws of thermodynamics and bonding. As a basic function. Yeah. Okay. But so I, and I did some research on my own, and I again I really wish that like every textbook we we learned this in middle school, high school, and college, but. We don't do it enough. Did you do your research on Facebook, Mr. Connell? I no, oh, I did oh, not. Okay. <laughs> I, I I tooled around a couple sites. Um, uh, I did not go to Facebook. A lot or, of research being done today on, on Facebook. Facebook, and it's a, that's why I'm here right now is because I'm sick of my family members, <laughs> my my friends from you know high school and college, educating me on things that they learned from. Facebook. So. so, you know, and, and I think the problem is that, that we, number one, we're not talking about the facts enough. And number two, we're not doing our own research. And I'll tell you mm-hmm. where you can go. And you can say, well, I don't know if Mr. Conroe sounded right. He's just a high school science teacher. So my, 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 of the sites that I went to, Arizona State University has this really cool askabiologist.asu.edu site and 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 you can click in a couple of links about bacterial diseases and viral diseases and i just found that to be very comprehensive hmm. um but i think we're too quick to trust our friends who post something on facebook oh yeah but we never consider well who was the first person to actually present this so in this case i'm mr conroe i'm a science teacher and i try to go to an accurate reference or two or several but Let's just jump back into this. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. – I, 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 it's just important, though, that we start talking more about facts than our opinions and our politics. Yeah, and, and what I like to – when I get into conversations about this, when it comes to the virus and the vaccine, so many people say, well, it's a political issue. And like you talked about with the gravity thing, this isn't a political issue. This is a medical issue. It's yeah. a scientific issue. Educate ourselves. So that's why I'm here. I want to educate myself so I can tell other people – and spread the educational word, if you will. And, and let's just get this on the table right now. In, in my state, New York State, in order to start pre-K or kindergarten, since I was a kid, you needed uh, a diphtheria and tetanus uh, vaccine. You needed um, measles, mumps, rubella. Mm-hmm. You needed polio. Uh, recently, there's been a chickenpox vaccine. I actually got chickenpox when I was like four or five. Right. Got little red bumps yep. and I got itchy for a couple days. Hepatitis B is a new required vaccine. Mm-hmm. There's this thing called Tdap. You get a menin, men, uh, menin, meningitis. Meningitis. The meningococcal. There we go. Oh, yeah. vaccine. I again. Uh, I don't say that very often. <laughs> meningococcal. All right. Um, and now we've got you know the flu vaccine every year, and and we've got the um, um, we we've, we've we're doing this across the country. There are 300 million Americans times, let's say, eight, eight vaccines. So that right there is 2.4 billion vaccines that have been administered to Americans. We've eradicated smallpox. Well over five billion doses of smallpox have been delivered to people. Like vaccines, we've done this on the scale of billions to people. And um, when the polio vaccine was first developed, there was no FDA in the 19, early 1950s. It was a scourge across America, and the very first government-funded trial, there were 1.8 million kids who got the polio vaccine because parents were desperate for something that would protect against this paralyzing disease. 
And we've never, in like modern America, we've never had to deal with anything like this before. That's like yeah. why it's like foreign territory again. Because we've all gotten these vaccines. Generations ago, they were dealing with all this. We have been spoiled. We were, we're, we're, we are spoiled. We're a spoiled society right now because we've had these vaccines. We don't even think about them. We don't know what measles look like. Yes. We don't know what mumps yes. are. Yes. Whereas anybody I, who is 70 would I be like, I know. I, either they had it or they knew somebody who yeah. did. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it's not – I, I want to depoliticize it. Don't, don't look at me and say, well, he's, he's on one side or the other. No, I'm on the side of 10 billion doses have been <laughs> administered in the last 50 years mm-hmm. to humans of, of, every, of every demographic. And it has decreased the number of viral infections. So, so how does this – how does the, the, these vaccines – how do they work? How do they yes. get rid of – or prevent against uh, an infection. Yeah. And as impressive as the virus is in terms of it being able to take over one cell and doing this crazy kind of like machine overhaul, the immune system is even more blind, mind-blowing to me. And, but let's first talk about a lock and a key. Hmm. Imagine a table with a thousand keys on it. And on a table next to it, a thousand locks. And each lock matches exactly one key. Good luck. Good, good luck. Hmm. Right? You, I mean, you've got to try one and then the other and then, okay. But that's because you have to physically pick the key and the lock up. Okay? Molecules swarming in your body. They're floating around. They're bumping into each other. And it's like those thousand locks and those thousand keys. Um, in the case of viruses and your immune system, there are things called B cells. They're part of the lymphatic system, immune yeah. system, and they're like the locks. And they've been developed by the human body over time to have the right shape or size to, me- to match viral keys. And once a lock and a key bump into each other that match, they, they connect and they're like stuck together. That B cell lock, when it finds... When I say finds, it doesn't find. When it bumps into that viral, I'm putting in air quotes, key, boom, it gets trapped. It gets kind of sequestered. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense. What does it do? Does it destroy it or it just holds it? It holds it and then it, um, they actually start to clump together. When enough, uh, so now we have to ask ourselves, well, how does the B cell know what is the right the right shape, how, you know, how, if that one viral particle gets into your body and there happens to be a B cell swarming around, it gets locked up. But your body makes a very small number of each B cell type. So you might have the right B cell in your body at the right time to lock up a viral particle, but it's a good chance that those two mm, things don't yeah. meet and the virus which is why some people that aren't that don't have any vaccine or anything like that have a mild case of coronavirus, correct? Mm, a little different. Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and jump into this a little quicker here. Okay. So imagine this. You have been infected and you're going to get over COVID. Somehow, um, that, that first viral particle gets in, makes its copies, your cell bursts open, there's, they're, they're swarming everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, because there are so many viral particles... The right B cell connects to one of these newly replicated viral cells. They lock up. 
And then your body has this weird, very um, elegant system where these things called B cells and T cells recognize, wait, a B cell has finally locked something up. We got to make mad copies of that B cell. Mm, okay. So that's like, I might be losing you here, so let me bring it right back no. in. You've got a viral particle that suddenly attaches to a B cell because it's, it's the right shape. Mm-hmm. And a chemical signal goes off, and then this cascade of cellular events happens. And this, this blows my mind, again, from askabiologist.asu.edu. Your B cell is then triggered when it locks up a viral particle to produce that one cell can produce thousands of antibodies, which are like the locks, per second. Hmm. So like in the case of an hour, you've made a million of those antibodies, which you think of as the lock, and they're just floating freely, and and they fit with all those viral invaders. And so there's this race. The virus is replicating itself, and your B cells are replicating copies of the antibody that is specific to that virus. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. And, and as, they, as they fit together, they clump together, and these white blood cells kind of engulf it, and it gets expunged from the body. Gotcha. It's expelled. Cleansed. It gets cleansed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, when you're sick or when you get a vaccine, your body is using all its energy to make those thousand antibodies per cell per second. Mm. Now, so this can happen naturally. Yes. Then it, that, that, is our, that is our defense. Right. So, so then, so, so what do you, what do you, how do you respond to the, the individual that says, well, I'm young, I'm healthy, why don't I just wait just to get, get sick? It. Yeah, I'll get over it. And then I'll have the antibodies because my body will make them, and then I don't have to worry about anything anymore. But don't just respond with the, well, yeah. then it could hurt someone else or someone you right, right, love. Right. or da, 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 da. No. Why, why should you get a vaccine Yes. over just getting sick? Oh. Th- this, uh, that's a huge argument. It's a slam dunk question here. Now, if you've already gotten COVID, the data suggests that you have the, you have the uh, antibodies swimming around in your mm-hmm, body now. Mm-hmm. You've got those locks that only fit with COVID virus. Mm-hmm. So you do have a very good measure of protection like people with vaccines. But the people with vaccines, I, and, and, and uh, this is maybe the second most important thing. In the next three minutes, I want you to understand why the vaccination is, is just so superior to just getting over it. Mm-hmm. If you have COVID and your body has made millions upon millions upon millions of replicated copies, somewhere along the way, there's a probability, statistical chance, that as the DNA is, 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 is being created, a mutation happens. And usually mutations are bad. It, 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 um, it might mean that that particular strand fails and it doesn't complete the viral um, package. Is this where we get these, they talk about these COVID variants? 
Well, and that's just it. Because okay. sometimes the mutations are what you would, you know, again, in air quotes, good for the virus. Mm. You might create a variant, and we, there's, there's proof of it. That's what's going on in the last year. You get these variants yes. in Spain, like, these variants yes. in America, yeah. Brazil, yeah. Yeah. UK. And all that happened is one human who had to get over the disease through no fault of their own became a chemical manufacturing plant for COVID. And along the way, one of the DNA strands mutated in a way that was favorable for the virus. Hmm. And so just getting over it, you're turning your body into a chemistry lab. Again, very small, very small probability, but it's non-zero that you will be the site of a mutation. And while you're getting over it, you, the mutation happens, there's a new version, and you sneeze on a loved one, and they're the one who gets the infection. That new strain actually left your body, because there's only one version of it. Mm. It's not like this mutated version comes out in many copies. There might just be one of it. But if you pass it on, that one version then goes into your loved one, and it makes a million identical copies. So this, this hits home for me because, for me personally, the thing that's been driving me nuts, uh, you know, hanging out with friends, family, yeah. going out to eat, going to a restaurant, having to wear a mask. Like, this has been such a fast-moving yep. change, but it has, like, driven me personally to the point of just, like, almost a, de- a depressive state. So... What you're telling me is this: these variants, if, if people don't get the vaccine, these variants occur. Right now, Monroe County, like, the, the, the rate is plummeting. Where yes. we live is, like, doing, we're doing extremely... Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up for, for us. But if a variant comes out that this vaccine doesn't really work with, we could go right back to where we started. Uh, yes, and that's the great fear. Because the COVID-19 variation, wherever it came from... It's, I, I it's, don't want that. I don't want that either. No, I don't want that. Ah, yes. Perfect. Perfect, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, it, really, it really is something where um, – well, let me jump into why, uh, how vaccines work. Yes. On this, okay. So, and this is pretty easy. A vaccine is the viral protein coat without the DNA. So what happens is your body gets flooded with an injection that includes – the COVID protein coat. No ability to replicate. Hmm. Let's say they inject you with 100,000 of these COVID particles per, or COVID shells Mm -hmm. in a vaccine. One of those 100,000 matches up with a B cell. Your B cell's like, oh, uh, there's an invader. Let's make 100,000, you know, make 1,000 per second of these uh, antibodies. And it just swarms around. And now those antibodies are in a big enough concentration that you're ready the next time a real viral invader comes in. So, so two th- ways that I think about it, because I like analogies. I like things simple. Yeah. The, the, I'm trying to keep it simple. The vaccine, <laughs> right, yeah. has that, that outer shell. Yes. It's almost like a, a blow pop without the gum in the middle. Yes, right? I like that. Yes, right? yep. And so the gum's like, the sticky thing. That's the yes, bad thing. Yes, this gum's the sticky thing. It's a bad thing. But then also that... It, it causes an immune response, but you cannot get COVID from a COVID vaccine. Okay. It's impossible. Okay. Because the, there's nothing that goes inside your cell. 
the and protein coat and, can stick. And it's like priming the pump. It's almost like when we start a, an engine, you got to prime the engine, sure. right? It getting it's getting your system, your body ready, so that way if it does it's, it's, meet that infection, that COVID nineteen infection, it's forcing your body to make antibodies. It's ready to go. I mean, I think it's, it's... Get rid of it before it even... You don't even need an analogy. It's just you're forcing your body to make exactly the lock that fits the coronavirus key mm. in, in huge numbers, and those antibodies just stay in your system. That's... <clears throat> that's... Excuse me. <clears throat> why we may need boosters. Because the antibodies that are created either by so, getting over it or by getting the vaccine, well, so, so they're in that, your system. So this is yeah. like, I can know people like, well, this is a new vaccine, Mr. Conroe. It is a new vaccine. This is a different type yes. of vaccine. This vaccine doesn't work in the way of the old vaccines. And we don't know the long-term effects that this particular vaccine could have on me. Yes. It's come out too fast. Okay. Let There's me, not time enough out. research no, I'm going to stop you there, so stop. Oh, is it? Okay. okay. Because here's the deal. That... <laughs> That's a valid concern, and, and you know, my own son brought that, that, that point up. But here's the deal. Here's what we do know. Short term, COVID has killed half a million Americans, more Americans than died in combat in World War II. Hmm. Like, we know the short term effects. We know long term, billions of vaccines have been given for the last, since 1796, with almost, you know, you, do, you have... You have some negative side effects on such a small, small scale. I'm not, I'm not arguing perfection. If you're going to skydive, there's a non-zero chance that your parachute's not going to open. But that doesn't mean you're going to jump off of the airplane without a parachute. So I'm not arguing that vaccines don't have very small percentage of side effects. But we do know that vaccines work on the vast, vast majority of the time, and this new version that people are talking about. It's called the RNA. It's, a, it's, a, it's an RNA version of a vaccine. It's scary to some. It's, well, that's, and it should. We don't know what this is. But, but see, this is where I, I argue that I, I, I criticize the education system in which I work. I criticize the medical community, and I criticize the media especially for not telling people what's going down. Mm. The RNA version, here's what, they, here's what humans figured out. They figured out, let's not give the protein coat, let's give the RNA the, the, the recipe mm-hmm. to make the protein coat for coronavirus. To make the locks that, that lock up the virus. No, 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 that, that's the antibody. Okay. This, is the, this is to make the key but there's no DNA. There's, it's like giving them the blow pop without the gum. Okay. You're giving your body the instructions on how to make the um, blow pop shell, mm-hmm. but you don't give the instructions on how to make the gum. So to me, it's a semantic difference. Uh, whether you're, the vaccine has the instructions to make the lollipop shell, the blow pop shell, or it, it has the recipe for your body to make the shell, and either way, when you get a vaccine, whether it's the new RNA version or the more standard traditional type, you're getting the protective, the protection. You're getting that protein shell without any of the DNA from the virus that's going to cause that really nasty replication thing. So, so it's just it's potato, potato. It's two ways to the same. There's two different paths to the same outcome, so to speak. Yes. And, and people admittedly would be 
um, unsure because they hear it's new and, and we, we, we put up these, these cautions. Well, you know what else is new? The fact that COVID killed a half million Americans. And the science has been around for years where they've been trying to develop this mRNA type of vaccine. So, so and now we have a reason to unleash it. Well, here's, my, here's the skeptic now. Now I'm yeah. going to speak yeah. as the skeptic. How did they do this so fast, Mr. Conroe? Well, this is, they did not study it enough. Do we, we don't know what the long-term effects could be. Okay, okay, uh, yes. Uh, and again, I, uh, I have to be careful in my tone. Which are legitimate questions, too. Like, we don't yes, know what the long-term questions. effects could be. Well, no, but we kind of do. So, and here's why, right? We have this long track record with vaccines. Smallpox, polio, measles, mm-hmm. mumps. In the last 20 years, we've come a, a, an enormous way in terms of sequencing the human ge- genome and, and manipulating RNA. We know that if we inject RNA into a body, in this case, in these vaccine doses, the RNA is going to give some of your cells the instructions to make a protein coat without any DNA inside of it. Mm-hmm. But those RNA molecules degrade after a couple days or weeks. So you're going to get a limited number of protein coats minus the DNA, which will trigger your body to do the B cell response. And now you have the antibodies, antibodies, the locks, so that any time the COVID key enters, you're going to lock it up. Gotcha. So, so, uh, you know, uh, this this notion that science happens in, in a new way for thousands of people for dozens of years have been working in virology. And I think you got to look at the technology too. The yeah. technology back in the '40s and '50s, with you know those other outbreaks, nothing compared to what oh. we have today. Not even close. And and just the the fact that you know on a global scale, like this is this is it all happened at the same time. Yeah. So you had all these other people working together, government across the world helped out. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Government funding, private research. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I just want to close out by saying. I really recommend, encourage humans to continue doing what we've been doing, which is get vaccines. Get the COVID vaccine. Don't let your body become a chemical factory where it replicates millions of COVID particles and you could be the site of the next variant that sets us back to square one yeah, I, We from don't last want to March. go back to there. We don't want to go back to that place. Yes, so everybody who gets uh, number one, the vaccine, and then when they start talking about boosters, they're going to measure how much antibodies in your body. And if you don't have enough, you get a booster. Which, which happens now. I mean, I have a almost two-year-old and a four-year-old, and they've, they get boosters for their vaccines. We all know what a booster is. When we yes. say a booster, it's either a seat to raise you up if you're a little kid, or it's this, you know. And essentially, that's just the same vaccine just given to them again or yes. given to you again. Correct. To, Just to make sure the antibody levels to re up your 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 antibodies. Yep, to keep the number to of locks at a high enough level gotcha. that you can identify the keys. Makes perfect sense, especially when we look at it in a scientific, a, a chemistry standpoint. If you chemistry, will, right? It's just it's molecules fitting together. So uh, again, thank you again uh, for uh, joining me, Paul. It's yes. a delight to have you. Uh, I've learned the so team. much, and not just that, and I'll speak to this, like just since I've, you know, worked in education, just from where I was 13 years ago, you know, seven years ago, really getting to know Mr. Conroe, and now just 
educating myself. Never, and that goes for everyone. Never stop trying to educate yourself to gain knowledge, um, because you just, you just, I just have such a better understanding of why it's important to do these things. Yes. So thank you, Mr. Conroy, for having me on. All right, and have a great afternoon or morning or evening, everybody. We are signing off. I wonder if when you do.